Welcome, Foreclosure Fix family, to another episode of the Foreclosure Fix podcast, where our goal is to help one million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. If that mission resonates with you, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, and tell someone who may be in need of the information. I am excited about today's guest. It's my friend, Shante Duffy from BiFi Loan Servicing. Shante, how you doing today? Good, good. It's almost the weekend. I'm very excited. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. Welcome to the Foreclosure Fix family. We appreciate you stopping by the podcast today. And one of the reasons I'm excited to have you on is because I know you have over a decade worth of experience in the servicing industry. You understand the compliance side of it, the day-to-day operations of a servicer. You've worked with different types of clients, both institutional and individuals. And so you bring a wealth of experience and background to our listeners around the servicing side. In our previous episode, we talked about clients who have and borrowers who have what we call decision inertia, right? So they're in that situation, they know they need to do something, but they just haven't quite made a decision yet, right? And so I wanted to bring you on because I know your experience in the industry has given you a direct view at all the different ways a borrower can rectify their situation, all the different ways a borrower can breathe life back into their finances, right? And so that's the perspective I hope you can share with us today. And so just kicking it off, maybe just give our listeners a little bit of background around BiFi, around what you do, and around what you've seen for borrowers who are in distress. So I'm Shante Duffy. I am the director of business development and one of the founders of BiFi Loan Servicing. Um, as you already stated, we've been in this for a little over 10 years now. BiFi is still new. We're about two years old, just about. So this was a new venture in the past two years. And yeah, over the years, I've dealt with many different borrowers, many different lenders as well, being a servicer and facing foreclosures with them. It's always a sad moment for borrowers. I'm not going to lie. When they kind of get those attorney demand letters in the mail, it kind of raises the hair on the back of the neck. The seer comes involved. Um, That's usually when, you know, I hear the most from borrowers, especially if I don't hear from them before then, being a servicer, being the point of contact for these borrowers. So those demand letters really kind of kick it off to where borrowers either respond or they don't. And I always tell people when you get those letters, you know, foreclosure does take time. It's not something that happens overnight. So it's not, you know, when that demand letter expires, you lose your home the next day. That's not actually how that works across the board. But I always tell borrowers to communicate. We understand as servicers, even lenders, I'm an investor myself as well. There's hardships. Life happens. You have children, they lose jobs, you know, sending kids off to college, you get divorced. There's so many different variables as to why you know, as a homeowner, as a borrower, you're facing these legal courses that your lenders are starting. So I always tell borrowers communication. It's the most, most important. That's how your lenders and your servicers are able to actually work with you. You get a good point. Communication is key, right? So answering the phone, replying to correspondence, reaching out proactively. So communication is priority, but let's take it a step further. I'm a borrower. I'm having some financial distress. I've missed a couple payments. And maybe I've already received that demand letter saying, hey, you owe this money or you're delinquent, right? Mm -hmm. What is available to me at that point? I always tell people step first. What is your intention? 
That's what your servicer should also be asking. If you stop making your payments, we don't know that, you know, you're facing hardship or you lost your job. Or the first question we want to know is, what do you want? Do you want to stay in your home? Do you not? Do you even live in your home? There's plenty of loans that we see and borrowers that get foreclosed on on like a rental property. So it almost doesn't affect them as much. But then there's tons of borrowers where this is the home that I raised my family and this is where my kids are raised and they want to keep it. So we're always going to ask, but what is your plan? What do you want to happen here? Because there's many different ways to almost avoid a foreclosure. Even though the demand letter started, there are numerous different options. So the obvious and the one I tell every borrower in these situations, when they get that demand letter, they know they've been struggling, contact your servicer, ask for loss mitigation options. And what that's going to force your servicer to do is actually send you like a hardship package, a financial application, a retention application. We all call it something a little bit different, but they all generally mean the same thing. And we gather the same information. We want to know what your hardship is. We want to know if this is even something we can work out to avoid foreclosure. So it's really important that when you're facing that and you're scared, don't be scared. Your servicers are there to help you. And I know that's really hard for people to believe because they're like, no, they sent this attorney out on me. We don't get to make those decisions. Your lenders do. Your lenders just want to see some momentum. Us as servicers are your middlemen. So when you're facing that, contact your servicer and let them know what your intentions are. Say, hey, I would like to stay in my home. The current mortgage payment isn't working for me. I have this hard shit. Let them know as much information so that they can turn around and say, okay, we want to see if we can work something out with you. You know, it's a win-win. That's what my first ever employer in the servicing space used to always say, and I still live by that. We need a win-win here. We need the borrower to be happy. We need the lender to be happy. So lenders like when borrowers communicate. So ask them, hey, I'm struggling. I want to keep my home. If you lost your job, if there's a change in pay, that affects just everyday payments. And we understand that you also have a life. Part of this retention package outlines your hardship, but also outlines your finances. How much income do you actually get and where do you actually spend it? Because the real part of that is if you only are bringing in X amount of dollars, but your expenses are costing more, on paper, it doesn't look like you can afford this home. So it's one of those, if that's what you want to do, start there. There are also other avenues that I feel like servicers, and I'm going to call myself guilty on this one too, we don't share enough with you guys as borrowers in the sense of there are government and state assistant programs that you as borrowers can apply to that will help you reinstate the loan to bring it current. Sometimes it's just loans get bought and sold and they get transferred to other servicers and you guys don't know who to pay. It's not always a hardship. It's genuinely just confusion sometimes when it gets to a point of foreclosure. So there are programs that are here to assist borrowers. I know in a lot of the states that buy-buy services in, we made sure that we registered with the homeowner's assistance funds in each state. And we actually recommend our borrowers to, hey, you're struggling. We don't want to see you go through foreclosure. You have a huge reinstatement to at least bring this account current. It'll help you to avoid foreclosure, especially if they're able to maintain the mortgage payment moving forward. We just need to pick up the back end. Apply. We can apply for you, but you guys have to apply so that we can then turn around and let that state know. I live in New Jersey. So let New Jer- the state of New Jersey know, hey, Shantae needs some assistance. This is her loan information. This is how far behind she is. If not, she is facing foreclosure. Your servicer hands over all that information to these assistance programs to be able to help you. They will actually send payments directly to your servicer as long as you qualify and apply. So that is a phenomenal point, right? And I think a lot of people don't know about those programs and a lot of people don't take advantage of them. They don't. DJ is a borrower in need, right? I am 90, 120, maybe Mm -hmm. even 180 days late on my loan payment. My house 
is my primary residence. I was out of work for a little bit, but now I got my job back, right? Or I was out of work or my social security benefits changed or whatever may be the case, my disability benefits changed, whatever. Uh-huh. And I'm getting back on my feet, right? Or I got a loan from somebody that's helping me out, whatever may be the case. What is my process? Help me walk through step-by-step what I need to do to apply for these funds or where I need to go or where I should be checking to get some of the access to those resources. So depending on the state that you live in, it's a simple Google search. Again, let's pretend you're in New Jersey. Search New Jersey Homeowners Assistance Fund or ask your servicer, how do I apply? They should be sharing that information with you. You do, as the homeowner, as the borrower, you do have the responsibility of actually applying. Your servicers cannot do that. It has to be you. That is the only number one big push that we can't do it for you. It has to be done by you. And then we kind of pick up the back end. When you apply, you need to let your servicer know, I just applied to this. It doesn't take too long. I promise you, I'm not expecting everyone to be super, you can do it online. I'm not expecting everyone to be super computer savvy or anything like that. But you need to let your servicer know. So if you know that you're going to go apply for this, call and say, hi, my name is DJ. I'm struggling. I'm actually going to go see if I could qualify for some assistance from seeing New Jersey. Let them know so that we could actually put that foreclosure on hold and we don't keep moving forward with the attorney on it. We do want to give you the fair chance to be able to apply. The moment you apply, you should be getting confirmation. Share that confirmation with your servicer. Hey, Shantae, just applied. I want you to know because that means that we should now be hearing something very soon from that specific state. We now work as a servicer with that state. And at this point, stay on top of your servicers. I tell everybody this, no matter what side you're coming from, stay on top of your servicer. Give them a week. Hey, have you heard anything? What's the status update? Where are we at? Don't just assume that you applied and don't just let it go because it doesn't always mean that you're also approved. And that's not servicers responsibility. That's what to see on how much you're approved for. Now, are these funds like post COVID related funds? Are they always available? Is it good question? Not to get political. Is it like democratic versus Republican state specific? Like, you know, <laughs> help me understand. To be a hundred percent honest, I only really discovered this specific program was in the past okay. two years and it's in m- most gotcha. states. There's always help. I want to make that very clear. Before COVID, there was still assistance. There was hardest hit funds. And that was a short term where states were given X amount of dollars to be able to help borrowers. So it's one of those first come, first serve. A lot of those are no longer active. It almost seems like it switched to homeowners assistance. To be 100% honest with you, I'm not sure where they get that funding from, which I'm going to have to get back to you on that one because I've never actually put thought behind that. No, it's no problem. Hey, as long as the funding is available, look, it's like, I don't get. Yeah. And that's, that's always right. I'm not really caring who picks up the check as long as you know, it's not on my tab. Right. It's not a loan. I do want to make that very, very clear. It's not a loan that borrowers or homeowners have to pay back. It's genuinely assistance for you. It's not like you're taking out another loan to cover back payments. Think of it more like a grant. There's also grants and stuff like that out there as well. You just need to find your specific state. And what your state offers, because certain states, most of them offer a homeowner's assistance fund program, but they also have other programs that they offer that might fit. So we have sometimes government assistance programs or state assistance programs. But now sometimes people Mm -hmm. may have churches, people may have family members or whatever who want to help them or who want to support them. How does BiFi or services you've worked with in the past deal with that type of situation it's a sticky one, I'm going to be honest, because it sounds really good if, DJ, you're sitting here, hey, my grandma's going to help me. Hey, my church is going to help me. 
The question we're asking is, what are they exactly helping with? This is how much you owe to bring your account completely current. Here's how much you owe for a payoff. The first question we're going to ask you, though, is can you actually afford your regular monthly payment? Because at some point you defaulted, whether it was six months ago, whether it was a year ago, five years ago, especially if you haven't been paying recently. The concern is, can you even maintain it? If you can maintain the payment and that makes sense, you just fell behind and you can borrow money, that's great. But you have a small window of time to kind of gather that. So when you're letting your servicers know, be honest with them, say, hey, look, you know, I go to church every Sunday. I'm going to ask on Sunday, but then I'm going to expect that servicer to turn around and call you on Monday and ask you how church went Sunday. They are viable options if you have people in your life or in your community that are willing to help. I always, you know, recommend that. I also understand, though, there are some situations, you know, you could borrow from your mom, but then your mom may expect you to pay back. That is a little nerve wracking. We don't necessarily care where you kind of come up with the money, but we want you guys as borrowers, you know, to be secure and to not default again. We don't want to get you through all this process, save you from the foreclosure, and then another six months down the line, we're dealing with the same thing. 100%. That communication is more important than any other communication because you're telling me that someone you personally know is willing to help you. We don't necessarily talk to the other person unless you want us to. You'd have to fill out an authorization form for us to talk to a third party because they're not on your loan. They're not actually who's responsible. If you want us to give them, you know, figures and things like that, we can do that. But again, it's one of those like there's only so long that we're going to be able to sit and wait for that as well as a viable option. Be honest. Say, hey, I'm going to go ask. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. But make sure when you're asking, whether it's friends, family, you know, your community, anything, Ask also for a time frame and be honest when you're asking. Let them know you're facing a foreclosure. You know, sometimes that's a time sensitive scenario. There are time frames for that. So just be really open and honest with everyone you're talking to. It's not that they can't help you, but we're not going to sit here and wait six months for somebody to gather money for you. So, Shantae, in that same vein, what is a creative solution that you've seen from a homeowner that was facing foreclosure? I've had homeowners go to their churches. That's actually funny because I never, I'm not super religious, so I really go to church every day, but I've had them get donations put together. I've had their brother-in-law, sister-in-law, you know, step-parents actually assist them. I've had them cash out their 401ks on their job. They kind of pulled resources, especially when they know, and again, a lot of homeowners are facing foreclosures without hundred percent like knowing and understanding. Again, loans get service transferred all the time and borrowers have no say in that. So when you're getting hello letters and goodbye letters, you don't know who to pay anymore. And when that starts and when that stops and late penalties, I feel like the most creative is people who are able to go and ask people that they know who don't go through an assistance program, who somehow figure it out, whether it's from family and friends, whether it's from a 401k. I've had people who have not been that far behind cost-wise, like dollar amount-wise, and they've asked for their vacation pays to be advanced because they haven't taken them. And it's one of those they kind of, you know, ramp up. They are able to find something. There are plenty of borrowers who can't fully reinstate the entire loan, but can, let's say you're $10,000 behind, but they have five. There are lenders that are willing to work with that five and say, okay, we're going to work on a forbearance agreement for the next year to where you make up that same five, the additional five, and then, but also keep you on track to, you know, stay current. So there are options for, you know, other than just like modifications and there's plenty of options for homeowners to, if they're in certain situations, how they can work around it. Gotcha. 
this podcast, I, I like to share dirty little secrets, right? You know, and so <laughs> I, I want the real, I don't want the professional. I want the stuff that you talk about <laughs> with cocktails and, and, you know, with your colleagues in the industry, right? So help our mm -hmm. listeners understand if I am calling my servicer or talking to my servicer, what things can I do to get favor for my servicer? Like what things will allow the servicer to say, well, this DJ guy is a nice guy. Let's hold off a couple more months or the investor, you know, to say, hey, let's hold off a couple more months. Like what things can I do? It's be honest about your hardship. Be honest as to why you stopped and be honest with your intention. It's funny because you get these calls and my team for years, every team I've ever been a part of in servicing. It's funny because we'll all hang up the phone and be like, man, this borrower did this, this and this. And that's why they haven't paid. And we feel bad. One of my favorites this one, it's not funny. I don't even know why I'm laughing because it was so unbelievable. I didn't believe yeah. it, but it was the reality. This woman got into a really bad car accident and it actually ended up killing her granddaughter who was in the car with her. And to me, it just, the way she was talking about it was so outlandish. I don't know. I expected her to cry or do something. And then when she started to submit like reports and obituaries, it was like, wait, so we kind of have to tell the one they're like, we have to hold on because this is a, that's a mental toll on somebody. And the physical, we're glad that she's okay. She also lost a family member. There was a lot building up. Be honest about your situations and it, back it up. I tell her, back it up. If you're telling me that you got fired and you're sitting here trying to find jobs and hey, I'm collecting unemployment right now, be honest. You can't collect unemployment for forever. We know that. Okay, how, are you applying to jobs? People will call. I have an interview tomorrow, Shantae. I just want to let you know. Okay. Build a relationship. That's how you get the favor and the, the, a little bit more of the sweetness. The servicers aren't the ones that get to 100% decide. It's the lenders. So we work at the hands of lenders. So when we turn around and say, hey, we talked to DJ and you know he's unemployed right now and he starts his new job on August 15th. Okay, we want to sit here and get you in, you know, your job for about a month. I will always ask him for your offer letter or something. Show us that you actually started. And hey, can you start making these payments start September 1st? Be honest. Be real. Be human. We're human. You made a good point. And I think it's something for us to point out to the listeners, because a lot of listeners don't know this, right? Because they're like, well, every time I call, I'm not talking to Shantae. I'm not talking to DJ. I'm talking to... Maybe somebody in a different country, maybe a person in Texas one day and a person in India the next day. Right. I'm talking to people who mm -hmm. don't know me. Right. But one of the things that all servicers have and one of the reasons why you hear that disclosure statement when you call into your server servicer saying that this call may be recorded is that they keep servicing notes. And basically the servicing notes are a synopsis of the conversation you had with that particular person. And so if I talk to Shantae today and I say, hey, Shantae, I got a new job. I'm starting it in one week, right? That goes into the servicing notes records. And then when you call back in in a week and a half and say, hey, I get paid every two weeks. My next paycheck is coming this day. That's going to be in the records. And so the lender, although they are not servicing the loan, they will be able to log in and verify what Shantae has told them about you as the borrower. And so I think that's something that all listeners should note is that even if you're talking to different people, that information is still being recorded and still being kept. Documented. Yeah. And so Shantae, in that same vein, right? Mm -hmm. I want the T right on how a servicer knows that somebody's playing games, right? Like you were just kind of stringing me along and you are not really going to do what you say you're going to do. It gets to a point where you can't produce it. The, how I've been able to determine it, it's taken me years to kind of master it. And there's times where I'm still like, I don't know, depending on who I'm talking to. 
it depends on how active you are in your communication. Are you calling me more than I'm calling you? Mm-hmm. I like those people. Those people, I'm like, no, no, they're serious. They mean business because it's a priority of yours now. Those borrowers that I get them calling all the time, those are the ones that this is my primary home. My kids were raised here. My grandkids are now living here. Whatever the story is, they are almost more willing and open to like divulge why their home means so much and why they actually need help. Those pointers do matter. Your lenders are not cold. I promise you they're not cold. But at the end of the day, you signed a promissory note that outlines that you are promising to make payments that you have not made. So you have to remember it's a double-edged sword here sometimes. And us being the servicers, we're the middlemen. I also feel like when borrowers call and, hey, I'm going to go do this, and then I don't hear from you, and I'm now calling you multiple times a week to figure things out, it gets to a point where we turn around and say, hey, lender, I've been calling you know DJ for the past three weeks. He's not answering. Why don't you just pick up and proceed moving forward with the foreclosure? If we are going to entertain loss mitigation where you're communicating with us, you're telling us what your game plan is, whether you want a modification, a forbearance agreement, trial payment plan to reinstate, to apply for government assistance, to ask friends and family, we will put your foreclosure on hold. We won't actually move to like the next steps with the attorneys. We will stop to give you enough time. But you're not going to sit here and have six months worth of time. It's kind of one of those... If you're applying for something, you could, you should hang up the phone and apply that day. You should apply within 24 hours of when you told me that you were doing it. And you should turn around and say, hey, Shantae, we applied to this in, you know, what's the next steps? If you wait 30 days to apply it, there's no guarantee that that sign's going to go in our favor. Because you have to remember there's other parties now involved when you're applying for an assistance program. Now we have to worry about the state too. When you're talking to other people, we're not having those conversations. If you're not keeping us updated... We work with you and say, okay, you know, we'll give you a week to shop around with friends and family and churches and just local community stuff, but we're going to call you back in a week and say, where are you at? This is not something that can go on for forever. And if every week that we start calling this, you know, we're on week three, week four, it doesn't seem that you're that serious. So then at that point, we're going to ask you further questions. There's plenty of times that bars are facing foreclosure, but they don't even live in the home or they don't want the home anymore. They know they can't maintain it. You can avoid an entire foreclosure on like your record if you sign the property over to the lender. If you sign a deed in lieu, it's a deed in lieu of foreclosure. That's what that actually is. And it's, I'm going to just hand you this property instead of you legally taking it from no, me. Awesome. Shantae, a lot of times I have worked with homeowners who have a home and they mm-hmm. never expected to have that home. And what I mean by that is that maybe mom died. And dad's already deceased too. And now they don't know where the bill's coming or the bill was coming out of account. They got closed or something. And we get a foreclosure notice and I'm the child. And I want to call in and ask about that account. But I'm not on the mortgage, right? What can we do besides pay it off? Have death certificates ready. Usually loans go through like probate and estate planning. In a perfect world, that's how it goes. But First proof, and not all servicers know that these borrowers are deceased. It could have happened a month ago. We don't know that. If you don't call us and tell us that something has changed for whatever reason, we don't know. So if you go ghost and we don't realize that you, that, you know, the homeowner, your parents are deceased at this point, and it just looks like we stopped making payments. Yeah. We don't have anybody else to call. We don't know. So if that's happening, you do need to notify your servicer and let them know, hey, my parents own this home. Prove to us that you're the heir. Death certificates mean everything to us. I know they sound very, you know, morbid and um, not something that you naturally want to share with your mortgage servicing company, but it lets us know that, okay, this is where this is at. John Smith's no longer here. 
the next question to you guys as the heirs, though, and as the children of this property is what's the intent? It, it still goes back the same cycle. What do you want to do? Some borrowers flat are like, we don't want the property, and they have the ability to sign over and a deed in lieu, avoid the foreclosure. Foreclosure doesn't hit you because you're the child. It's not going to be in your name. There's plenty of times there that the children don't care, and they do actually let the foreclosure go through. It depends on what you really want. If you plan on moving in and living in that, you you have to call your servicer. If you plan on just maintaining the regular mortgage payment, that's up to you. But just know when that mortgage is paid off and you get a lien release or a satisfaction because it shows it's paid off, it's not going to be in your name. It's going to be in your parents' name, which is why probate needs to happen when you know there's deceased borrowers with heirs. You have worked with homeowners, mm-hmm. but then you also work with institutional investors, right? Small ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I hear a lot of times from homeowners who I'm talking with and people who find themselves in a tough spot is I hear the bank just wants my home because it's gone up in equity or because of gentrification. Now the bank is trying to foreclose on me. Right. Mm-hmm. What is the mindset of the investors that you have worked with, the people who own the notes and the paper? Like, what is their mindset when you're either talking to them about these delinquent borrowers or your conversations with them? Uh, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. And I'm an investor myself as well. So I've had to sit here and face and deal with some foreclosure stuff that most of the investors I've crossed paths with over the past 10 years, they don't actually want your home. We don't even live in this state that your home is actually located in. We're not trying to foreclose to kick you out so we can move in and move our families in. We don't want that. But the rule of thumb is either the house pays or the homeowner pays. Somebody has to pay. So if you as the homeowner are not paying, there's consequences. You don't get to you know just live scot-free either. You didn't pay off the loan. You made a promise. You didn't pay off this loan. You can't just stop paying. And if you don't plan on paying, well, wait a minute, I'm the lender. We're the ones that lent you out this money to buy this home. You owe this back to me. So when you stop paying, you almost push a lender into a position where they don't have a choice. That's not what we want to do. We don't want to deal with attorneys as investors. Most investors I talk to, they're like, oh, it's added cost to us. And what a lot of borrowers don't realize is that every time in a lot of these notes and mortgages and things of trust that are being generated and created, a lot of the fees that we have to pay as investors, as lenders, we add them back to your loan. Even if you turn around and save it. If you made me go out hire an attorney to start this and you want to save it, for most scenarios, it's not just the principal balance and the mispayments you've made. It's now also I had to sit and pay an attorney for this because you stopped paying and it didn't include. That means you also stopped paying your escrow in a lot of these loans. That means your taxes are delinquent, your insurance is delinquent, or your insurance laughs and I have to buy a force-based insurance policy, which only covers me as the investor and not you as the homeowner, there's added charges when you go delinquent. 100%. So be honest and upfront. There's some lenders who, you know, borrowers a month or two behind. Can we just push the next due date? Can we put it to the end? Or can I pay you an extra $100 every month until I catch this up? Yes. Not all the time do you need like a formal agreement. If you want to send in more money to make up for differences because you're not that actually far behind to where homeowner's assistance might deny you. You don't have somebody who can just go ask for, you know, an extra thousand dollars. That's okay too. Just show that you're willing to work this. Now that's what you want because your lenders don't want your home. I promise you they don't. Most of them, like 99% of them do not want the home, but they have to weigh their options when you're not paying because we can't foreclose on you if you're paying. So you shouldn't actually worry about it. 
when you're not paying, yeah, now we have to go look at the property. Is the property worth anything? Investors at the back end, they don't want to get stuck with the loan when it goes to foreclosure sale. It ends up now they're stuck with an REO property, which is why they have to factor in the value of the home. Because when they end up with an REO, it leaves lenders with smaller options. But we don't actually want your home. We just want you to keep paying. We want you to honor your promise is the best way to put it. No. So either the house pays or the homeowner pays. We get it 100%. Well, Shantae, this brings us to my favorite part of the podcast, which is the bow tie round where our listeners get to tie one on with you, Shantae. <laughs> right? So the B in bow tie stands for your best advice for someone in foreclosure. The O stands for one thing you are grateful for right now. And the W stands for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure or workout related story, right? And so, you know, let's go ahead and tie one on. So B, what is the best advice you have for our listeners today? Communicate and be honest. That gets you a lot further. Don't play games. I Please, just, I promise you it'll make life smoother. I know it is scary, but you need to be honest and ask your servicers. That's their job. That is their job. So be honest, but communicate. If there's something you're not understanding, be blunt. I don't get it. What do I need to do? I need help. I don't expect anyone to know this stuff, but that's what your services are for. So be honest and communicate is always my advice in any sort of real estate situation for homeowners because it'll get you a lot further. No, awesome. One thing you're grateful for, like, l let us know. I'm just grateful for the opportunities that I've had, especially in my career. That's a big thing for me right now. It's something that I don't think I've given enough gratitude for, but to kind of look back in over the past, you know, decade or so, and just kind of see where I've come, you know, where I started and where I landed and where I'm still going, like I'm still in this upward peak. I'm grateful for that because it gives me the opportunity to do things like this, share knowledge, help people. I like to actually help people, not in the sense of like, I want to be a doctor, but knowledge is power. And I don't think people use that enough. So I am very, very grateful for my hard work and being able to share it with everybody else and keep growing. So I'm very grateful for the opportunities. Now, our listeners are definitely grateful for you joining our podcast today. So your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story or workout? I don't think it's really wild. I think what blows my mind every time, it's more of like a, really, we have to go through all this to get to this. And it drives me nuts. It, it truly does. Foreclosures don't happen overnight, as I said a little bit, a little while ago. So you get a demand letter. You're getting called from your servicing company. They're still trying to like, hey, you want to work something out? You're still getting monthly statements from your servicer. That doesn't stop. So your home was just ignoring all this communication. When some foreclosures in certain states could take 12 months, let's just use a simple one year mark. If I started foreclosure last year in August and my sale date is August 4th, so that's tomorrow for me. What drives me nuts is that today, John Smith, Mary Jane, whoever you want to call her, is going to go file bankruptcy. You've had a year to try to figure things out. One whole year. I am less than 24 hours away from a sale date and you want to file bankruptcy. It blows my mind because you need an attorney to help you with that. So you have the money to pay an attorney, but you don't want to pay for your home. It never made sense to me. It's something that drives me up a wall, especially when it's it just when it's like the day before the sale. Bankruptcy is an alternative for some borrowers and sometimes they need to. It's a restructuring of their finances and things like that. But every time, every loan that I've ever serviced, it's like, oh, they filed bankruptcy. We got to stop the foreclosure. I'm like, I'm kidding. And I usually don't find out like the next morning when it's a foreclosure, like the sale date's happening at 10. 
and <laughs> it's 9.45 and it's, oh, Shantae, this bar filed for, you know, chapter 13 or chapter 7 bankruptcy. I'm like, are you kidding? Because now you can't. <laughs> Us as lenders, bankruptcy almost protects, it protects borrowers. We can't do anything until you go through that process. So you kind of just left our hand side. We're not even allowed to call you. That's how much protection bankruptcy has for borrowers. So for me, it's just, it's wild that we wait to the last second. I'm not saying it's not necessary. I just don't know why we're waiting when I, you had 12 months to kind of make those options. And we could have completely avoided the foreclosure if you genuinely needed to file bankruptcy. But it does affect us because there's a loan. I totally understand exactly what you're talking about. And I have been in on both ends mm-hmm. of that equation. I have been on the end where I'm advising a borrower, hey, you need to file bankruptcy yep. tomorrow. Otherwise, you're going to lose your house. And I have been on the end where I've been the lender and somebody has filed bankruptcy on us right before. And you can't do anything. I don't know if Shantae did this intentionally or accidentally, but she did give our listeners a secret. And this is dirty little secret. And I got to tell you, (laughs) bankruptcy is the nuclear option. So if you are in foreclosure and your foreclosure date's coming up tomorrow and you file bankruptcy today, that will automatically stop or stay your foreclosure. And so keep that in mind. Now, as Shantae said, it is frustrating for a lender. It definitely adds fees for you as the borrower and it can mess up your credit. It will. Yeah. Yeah. We will have some podcast episodes going deep into bankruptcy in the coming months. And so please stay tuned because we'll talk all through that. But that is one thing you can do if you need a, a nuclear option at the last minute to save your house. So Shantae, we are so grateful for you swinging by the podcast today and for you sharing your insights. We really appreciate you and and are grateful for you and your team over at BiFi Loan Servicing. Let our listeners know if they want to get in contact with you, if they want to follow your journey, let them know how to do that. Yeah, I always tell everybody to email me. Email me at sduffy at com, or feel free to give us a call, 888. 217-7652 and ask to speak with me. I'm here to answer questions, help out. Your loan might not have to be here, but if you want some further information, I can at least point you in the right direction because as I said, knowledge is power and I love sharing it. Awesome, Shantae. This wraps another episode of the Foreclosure Fix Podcast. Please do us a favor to like and subscribe and tell somebody who can benefit from the information. You can find us on theforeclosurefixpodcast.com or on your favorite listening platforms. Until next time, folks, this is DJ Lojo signing off. I love you and God bless you. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.